Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, that's a pretty good first half of the morning if I could say so myself, yeah? I don't ever want to take for granted what we what we're able to do here and the, the kind of talent that's on the stage and um, just leads us to the place where we need to be. Amen. Which leads me to my question, and I really don't want to offend anyone as I ask this question, so just take it as it is and I'll work it out. Why are you here today? <laughs> okay, we can go home now. Thank you, bud. Mm-hmm. Let's work through that. Why are you here today? And, and so, so here's what I know. Here's what I know. This room is full of people. All different journeys, all different places in your life. Some of you are here because someone asked you to come with them today. And that's awesome. Some of you are here because this is what you've done for so long in your life. This is just like part of the process. This is what I do on Sundays. Cool. Some of you are here because you feel like you've kind of been forced to be here. And that's okay too. I actually give you a lot of... A lot of credit and a lot of props for, for working through that. And may, maybe you're doing it because your mom wanted you to be here or, or your brother or sister wanted you to be here. Whatever that case might be, I think that's awesome. Because it's a scary thing to come into a church. It really is. It really, really is. Like, what in the world is going on here? Why are they raising their hands? What is going What is up? Why are you here? I've actually asked this question several times over the last few years because I think it's so important that you work out the answer for yourself because if you did not know, we are in a day and age where church attendance is declining precipitously. Literally, 50% of people came back to church. doesn't matter the denomination or part of the country that you are from, 50% of the people came back to church after COVID. We all have different reasons for being here, but let me tell you where I think our mind and our thoughts need to be headed when we ask this question, okay? We have the opportunity to come to a place freely, by the way, to worship and honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. And first and foremost, that's why we are here today, because he is worthy of every single piece of that honor and praise that we could give him. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Yes. That's why we're here. There's a second reason, though, why we're here that we often skip over, and I think it's one of the problems in the church today, and it's why we wrestle, because we are also here for each other. 
Do you know that? Before you answer too quickly, just let me work this out. We are here because I believe we need each other. You cannot do it on your own. And when you come to church, here's what has happened in the church around the world. We have come to consume and to get what we want. And when it makes us feel good, we're cool with that. And then when we get really, really uncomfortable, we start our minds and say, well, what about this thing? This other church does this. Or I think a church should be doing this. And we become consumers for what we want or what we think is important. And instead, we don't have the mindset of being a contributor or a giver when we come here. In other words, what I'm saying, yes, absolutely, primary, number one, we are here to worship God in the space, but it's more than that. The church is a group of people that come together to serve, to love, and to bless. So here's the problem. As I set up this new series today, and again, it's going to take me a while to get into it, but I promise that I will. Christians don't always have a great reputation. And I think for good reason. In fact, a lot of you have experienced Christians or people who call themselves Christians in their life that are maybe the most unlovable kind of people that you know. Maybe the most hypocritical people that you know. Maybe the most judgmental people that you know. And you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. And I do think we have a generation of people who are very keyed into that thought that aren't even giving church a chance anymore. It's just, I don't want a piece or a part of that in my life. So I'm going to ask you again, why are you here? Are you here to just get, 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 give me what I need? I like that music. I like uh, that guy's sweater on the stage. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'll get to that in a second, too. Um, so I never had, um, the opportunity to meet my grandfathers. Um, I would have loved that. That would have been so cool for me because I think there's something about being able to tap in to the older, wiser, um, just depth of, of experience and knowledge that they could have offered me. And as we get into this series, um, we're going to see, I actually think we're going to talk about the book of Philippians, and we're starting this thing called Unlocking the Secrets of the Christian Life. We're going to answer some of those reasons of why you're here. But we need to look at that in the context of there is a person, the author of this book, who has lived a long life. He's seen a lot of things, and he has a lot to offer. And he's sitting back and writing this letter to these people who he loves in like a, a grandfatherly way. And so hence what I would call my grandpa sweater. We're going to work through that this morning. And before we do, I actually want to say one other thing. I don't know, um, I don't know how many people bring their Bible to church anymore. And that's, that's okay if you don't. But you have to have a Bible in your life. Okay, so let me be really clear. If you do not have a Bible and you are interested in having one, we will give one to you. 
You just let one of us know. You let somebody at Guest Central. You find me. You see maybe some people who are praying at the end. We will get you a Bible. I promise you, you can take one home. But beyond that, I would like for you to have your Bible over the next few weeks because we're going to follow along. So on the screen, I put a slide up. If you have, uh, don't have a Bible with you, you should go right now on your phone, go to your app store, whether that's Apple or Android or whatever, Google, whatever it might be, download this app, the YouVersion Bible app. If you already have it on your phone, I want you to get that opened up to Philippians chapter 1, okay? Philippians chapter 1, we are going to work through the Bible this morning in a way that I don't normally do, but I'm excited to do. We are going to unlock, over the next four weeks, four secrets of living Christian in this world. Today we're going to uncover one of those secrets. And I want you to keep in mind the whole time, why are you here? So, the book of Philippians is, a, um, is, is one of the books in the Bible, what we call an epistle. There are four epistles. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. We've actually studied two of them over the last couple years. We've studied Colossians, we've studied Ephesians. Now we're on Philippians. We'll get to Galatians either later this year or next year. Epistle simply means letter. It's a letter. So Paul is our author. He is writing a letter to some people at a church in the town of Philippi. This is happening about A.D. 60, 61, 62, sometime in that time frame. This is about 30 years after Jesus uh, dies and raises again. So, so once he did that, the disciples went out and the apostles went out and started these gatherings of people. We call them churches. Back in the day, it was called the way Okay, so all of these little, these churches are forming and God calls this guy Paul. He's like, I want you to go and I want that your job, the rest of your mission in life is to go and spread this good news as far as you can. A lot of what I'm talking about, you're going to find some backstory. If you want to go deeper afterwards, you can go to Acts chapter 16. And Acts chapter 16 gives you a little bit of background of what's happening here. What's cool about the book of Philippians and I'll probably get into more history next week, but the, what's cool about this book is he is writing to a church that was, as far as I can tell, the first ever church started in Europe. Up until now, there have been various churches started in Asia. This is the first book, as I understand it, or first church, I mean, that is started in Europe. You see, this way was starting to spread. This, this Messiah that had come, people are starting to follow, and it's gained traction because they stand out as very different from what all the other religions in the time did and followed. And this is the beginning of the church. So we're going to open to Philippians chapter 1 today, and we're going to work through it. We are literally going to work through the entire thing. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to pause, and we're going to see what God has for us today. What is the secret of living Christian? Why are we here? What are we doing? So let's just jump right in. Philippians chapter one, starting in verse one. It says, this letter 
is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All right, so let's start easy. Who wrote this book? Paul. And he says, you know, I also have a friend, Timothy. This Timothy was someone, was another pastor. He mentored. I'm not sure all of his connection with the book, but as soon as you go out, he goes, I am writing to you. So, so clearly this is coming from Paul's pen, okay? And he's writing it to this church in Philippi. It says, all who what? All who what? I'm writing it to all who belong. So he's writing it to people who have said, I'm following the way. I'm a part of this new way, including the elders in the church, the deacons, the leaders at the time. Paul is mentoring and writing to this church. So the kind of a standard greeting, I give you grace and peace. Verse three, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. By the way, over the next several verses that I read, I want you to identify the word that sticks out over and over again, okay? There in a second. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. You have a special place in my heart. I'm going to stop for a second really quickly. This book, if you read commentaries, um, like people who have studied, scholars, whatever, study the Bible, they would say, you know, this book is one of the most joyful books that you'll find in all of Scripture. That this book is about joy and about finding joy. And I think that that's very, very true. Can't argue that. That's certainly the case. I think as I've been looking through and reading through and studying through, God is pointing out other things. It all kind of comes together at the end, but something I want to explore today. But it's something we see this kind of this theme through as we go. All right, verse 7. It's right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and I long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Now I want you to check this next verse out. So if you see my Bible, I have this yellow highlighter all through. By the way, Philippians, if you, you know how some people have like verses that are special to them or life verses or whatever? There are a ton of them in Philippians. All right, here's one that I highlighted. He goes, I want you to keep growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters. Why are you here? So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in the life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. I want 
you to understand what really matters. Now, I asked you, there's a certain word that's mentioned over and over and over again in this passage. I've counted it up, I think it's 19 times. Does anyone want to take a guess at the word I'm going to point out in the verses I just read? Anybody? Uh, I like that. That's not the word I think is used the most. I heard it. You. Kind of a weird thing to pull out, but it's not. Do you see Paul's heart in this? I want something for you. I care for you. I love you. I want you to have this joy. I am looking out for you, not for me, church people. I'm looking out for you. See, what God has been teaching me for the last several weeks, but it's always been a part of, I think, our DNA here. As a church, we cannot look at the church as about being for what I want and about just filling all my needs. That is not the church. That's like everything else in the world that we just consume, consumer mindset. We do not want that. And Paul is saying, I, he's leading the way. It's a person who's lived a lot of life, who's gone through a lot of stuff. He's wearing his sweater and has his glasses on the end of his nose. And I don't know if he's actually writing or having somebody else write it, but he's saying, listen, this is what I've learned and I want this for you. By the way, there's something else that came out in this passage that I just read. Something very unique about Paul's situation at the time. Some of you know this. Others of you, this might be a revelation to you. Where was Paul or maybe more specifically, what was kind of circumstance was Paul in as he was writing this? He was in prison. He was in prison for his faith. By the way, wrongly accused. At this point, he has an appeal to Caesar himself to be released from prison. He does not know if he's going to make it out or not. In fact, what I've been told, I am not, I am not an ancient, you know, history scholar or anything like that. But what I understand about the time is when you were put in prison, you had to pay in order to be, um, to have the things provided for you for prison. In other words, if you didn't have money, you would basically, they'd chain you up outside and see your hearing. And if you made it, you made it. And if you didn't, you didn't. So we're going to see here that Paul actually commends the people of the Philippian church. He goes, thank you for helping me and supporting, for me, supporting me and bringing me money so that I can keep doing what I'm doing, that I can keep living. It's pretty incredible. So now we have this person who's in prison going through all this stuff. And again, I'm not going to get into all of it. That's not the point of today. But here we have a person who's saying, listen, through all of it, care for you. And I want you to understand the most important thing. He goes, may you always, verse 11, be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Through it all, he goes, I want your life to be first and foremost about Jesus. You need to be a reflection of him. It's the fruit of being a Christian does that ring any bells about other parts of the Bible, about the fruit of being Christian? What is it? Come on. Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Yes, kindness, self-control, meekness. 
There's lists in the Bible. He goes, you know what? If you are not being a Christian who exhibits all those things, guess what? You got a lot of work to do. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I look around me, I don't see a whole lot of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control. I mean, there are definitely moments. There are definitely pockets. I, I think we even saw that in the past couple weeks, right? Um, if you were watching Monday Night Football, I believe it was, or Sunday night, I can't remember which day it was. I think it was Monday night. And Damar Hamlin had tragic injury. And I think we saw something really special about people coming together and praying and lifting up that man who, by the way, after two weeks or a little bit more, actually went and visited his teammates yesterday. What an incredible story. But largely speaking, Christians, we have a bad rep because we're not living out love, joy, peace, the fruit of what you're talking about here. I'm going to keep going. And I want you to know, verse 12, my dear brothers and sisters. I like that. Term of endearment. That everything has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Oh my goodness. He's actually saying, yeah, I might be in prison, but there's a way I can look at this because something good is actually coming out of it. Because if I wasn't here, guess what? I wouldn't have even had a chance to share with all of the people who had me in prison in the first place. And now they know. By the way, if you go back to Acts chapter 16, you'll see what happens with the jailer who was jailing him at that time. Call him the Philippian jailer. He knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And also, check this out, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Again, it comes back to someone else. I'm doing this for you, 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 and you. It's true some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, verse 15, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful for me. Check this out, but it doesn't matter. All the haters, all the people who think they have a better thing, a, a leg up, the better church, the better thing. He goes, you know what? Listen to how I think about this. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached. Either way, I'm happy about it. I'm going to rejoice. Listen, know what this is telling me? This whole thing, is I, it was like this light bulb went off, and it was the perfect thing for me at the perfect time. It is not about me. When we come, when we do this together, this is about us. This is about the people outside these walls. It is about you and you. And it's about me for you. So who cares what people might say? Who cares if they go to another church? Whatever, whatever it might be. You know what? Let God himself, let Christ be exalted above all of that. 
I'm gonna do what he's called me to do and I'm gonna be as faithful as I can. I'm gonna let the fruit come out as much as I possibly can and live the way in this world that I ought to live. That's powerful for me. Verse 20, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust, and I highlighted this one in my Bible too, maybe you will too. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. He's saying, God, whatever you want to do, with whatever the situation is, I trust you. I know you're good. I know you're the way and the truth and the life. And so whether I live or die, in this prison, in these chains, it's all about you. It's all about Jesus. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, if I live, I could do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know it's better. I'm torn between the two things. I long to go and be with Christ. I've lived a long, good life, and I've had blessings abound. I've had a lot of stuff happen to me, a lot of crap happen to me that I've gone through and I've learned through. And in some ways, I just want to give up. I've had enough. But for your sakes, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Listen to all of you who are on the older side in this room or watching today. You have something to give that you must give to those of, check this out, us who are younger. (laughs) Just go with it. It makes me feel better. You have so much to give me and my kids and the children in this church and the 20-somethings in college and the 30s who are raising young families. Where are you? I'm so grateful for this church and the people who have helped me along the way and for your faithfulness. Do not ever think that you do not have a place here. You absolutely have a place here. You must have a place here. You can help us continue to grow and experience the joy of our faith. It's the beauty of the church. Verse 27, and above all, You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. He goes, listen, at the end of the day, you have to understand that this world is not the only thing. There's this old song, maybe some of you know, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. We have treasures that are laid up somewhere else. Yeah, this life matters and what we do matters absolutely 100%. 
Being a follower of Christ, having salvation is not just, you know, just to get you into heaven. No, God's kingdom come, God's will be done is a whole lot more than that. But he goes, remember, at the end of the day, when you are looked at as weird or whatever the case might be, you are not citizens of this world. You have something much bigger. You're citizens of heaven. Don't forget that uh, perspective. And so when I come and see you again, or only even if I hear about you, because I don't know if I'm going to see you again. I might die here in this prison, right? I want to know that you are standing side by side, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ also, but the privilege of suffering for him. Now let me just let that drop for a second. The stuff that you're going through, have you ever looked at it as like, you know what? God, no matter what happens, it's my privilege to go through this because you've given me something much greater and much bigger than myself. The privilege of suffering? Really? Really? Now, I told you there's four secrets that I want to unlock, and we're about to unlock secret number one. And so we're taking our key, and I'm putting it in the lock, and I'm twisting it to the right, and it opens up, and here's what I want to say to those of you believers, Christians, and beyond, seekers, if you want to know about what it means to live the Christian life, as Paul, I believe, is trying to convey in this most comforting, grandfatherly, helpful way, is in verse 30. We are in this struggle together. I need you, and you need me, <laughs> for better or for worse. You don't come to church just to get yours. You come to church to give out, to bless others, to serve others, to pray with others, to care for each other. It's about you for me and me for you. And whatever you go through, highs, lows, twists, turns, uncertainty, we are in this struggle together. Together, we're linking arms. Paul, sitting back and saying, if you hear anything, hear this. You can't do it on your own. You need other people in your life. And this is Philippians chapter one. Next week, we're going to unlock another secret. And we're going to go through a picture of Jesus' life and how it plays out for him. But if nothing else, I hope today that you hear my heart, that we need each other. 
that we're in this struggle together. If I believe, I believe, if we unlock this secret, if you, as a person who says, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, if you can unlock this secret, maybe you are here and you're not, you know, you're not ready to commit to Jesus or whatever, but you're, you're curious. And you, again, I don't know your reason for being here. But maybe if that's you, I want you to hear this as well. When we unlock that secret, we end up living lives that other people look at and say, that's different. That is unique. That is powerful. That is compelling. It's so unusual, but it's compelling when you see it in action. And if we could unlock that and say, you know, we're in this together, and that's a humility thing, that's a unity thing, I believe God can do so much through his church, which is the hope of the world. Let's pray. God, I have no idea where this lands for people. I've done my best to share what I believe is your heart and what I believe you're asking me to share with this group of people, but now it's in their court. God, I pray that they would ignore or forget the things that I say that aren't of your heart or don't make sense. I pray that you would convict where we all need to be convicted. God, that we would live lives that are exemplary, that people would look at and say, man, there's something different. There's a deep sense of joy. Maybe my circumstances aren't perfect. Maybe I'm really going through a whole bunch of crap. But, but God, I see something different. May our lives be lived that way with fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control. Help us to have the perspective of living not for this world and for all it can offer us, but for living with the citizenship in heaven. God, I thank you for Hope Church. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for every person in this room. I pray especially that you would just touch people where they need to be touched and healed today, God, that you would heal their minds and their spirits and their hearts. And that you would allow something great to come of it. That we would truly be a church that loves and cares and serves and blesses those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.